Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Serial Killer Podcast, the podcast dedicated to serial killers, who they were, what they did, and how. I am your Norwegian host, Thomas Vaborg Thun. I must say it feels very good to once more travel to the good old United Kingdom and my favorite era, the late 1880s. Spending too much time in the frozen wasteland of Siberia is not recommended, even for a Norwegian such as myself. So, tonight, we find ourselves once more with cobblestones beneath our feet and thick smog around us as we chase the enigmatic killer and terror of Whitechapel, Jack the Ripper. If you haven't listened to part one and two of this series, please do so now. It is important to understand the whole story from the beginning in order to properly appreciate this episode. This podcast has in excess of 7 million downloads in total, but both my Patreon page and my Facebook page are only visited by a few thousand. On my Facebook page at facebook.com slash theskpodcast, you will find bonus content, exclusive Facebook Live videos featuring me, and you can contact me, your humble host, directly, and I always reply in person. Also, as many of my Facebook listeners know, 
the Kickstarter project for the exclusive The Serial Killer Podcast coffee mug that changes color as it heats up is now live. We only need 70 more pledges to reach our goal, and the mugs will be shipped to, I am sure, very satisfied customers. Your pledge will make a huge difference. Go to the Serial Killer Podcast dot com and click on the kickstarter banner now your support means a lot to me and i hope to continue to bring you high quality content for a long time to come i know hundreds of thousands of people listen every single month but the serial killer podcast only has 46 active patrons It is actually quite expensive to run a podcast every week, and if only 10% of my dear listeners donated $1 each month, the need for additional ads in each episode would drastically decrease. So please, take a moment of your valuable time and go to patreon.com slash theserialkillerpodcast and consider making a donation. Any donation no matter how small, is greatly appreciated. Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. Pluto TV never asks for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch for free. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. Imagine, if you will, dear listener, that you are a Victorian-era police constable. You're wearing a long blue coat and strengthened tall hat, which protects you from blows to the head and you can use it to stand on to look over walls. Guns are a rarity in this area, and your only weapon is a truncheon, although you also carry a whistle to raise the alarm if necessary. In order to protect yourself from the muck, dirt, grime, open sewer, and long hours walking your beat, you have on a pair of sturdy, properly nailed leather boots. You're walking along, alone, one bleak late September night in the district of Whitechapel. Through the smog, you suddenly hear a woman screaming and men shouting. You quickly head towards a two-story building with some commercial signs on it, and a very narrow alleyway beneath a wagon wheel. The street was called Burner Street, and was in the Whitechapel district off Commercial Road, 
It was populated by mostly Polish and German tailors, cobblers, and other modest craftsmen. The International Working Men's Educational Club was located at number 40 Berner Street and was a socialist club made up of mostly Russian and Polish Jews. The front of the club opened up to the street, but there was also a kitchen door around the side in Dutfield's yard. A gated and extremely dark passageway closed off the yard, but the gate was often left open into the late hours of the evening, while members of the club were still present. On Saturday nights, the club usually hosted free talks that packed the building full of people. The evening of the 29th, between 50 and 100 people had shown up for a talk called Why Jews Should Be Socialists. And dozens of men had stuck around after the talk to socialize and sing. At 1 a.m., thus the date now being the 30th of September, the steward of the club, Louis Diemschutz, steered his pony and two-wheeled barrow into the passageway between number 40 and 42. The party was still roaring inside, and light and sound dimly illuminated the alley. When the pony shed to the left, almost knocking the passage wall, Diemschutz halted to investigate. He saw what he recognized as a woman, lying on the ground facing away from the center of the passage. Before investigating any further, Diemschutz became worried about his wife and rushed inside to check on her. Surprised by his frantic inquiries, the men inside assured the steward that Mrs. Diemschutz was fine and asked what the problem was. There's a woman lying in the yard, he said but I cannot say whether she's drunk or dead. Many have since speculated that the pony was actually scared because it saw a man duck swiftly into the shadow of the alley. Others claim, not unreasonably so, that had Diemschutz stayed in the passageway rather than rushing indoors, he might have caught sight of the Ripper himself. A young tailor named Isaac Kozabrodsky accompanied Mr. Diemschutz outside, while Mrs. Diemschutz stood in the doorway of the kitchen and watched. When Mr. Diemschutz shone the light of his candle on the woman's face, Mrs. Diemschutz saw blood trickling up from the body into the yard along the gutter, clotting into a pool near her pallid face. I screamed out in fright, she said, and the members of the club, hearing my cries, rushed downstairs in a body out into the yard. The group of men dispersed into the neighborhood, crying out for police. They went up Fairclough Street and back down again, coming into contact with a horsekeeper named Edward Spooner, who came along to investigate what had happened. I could see that her throat was fearfully cut, Spooner told reporters. There was a great gash in it, over two inches wide. Meanwhile, Police Constable Henry Lamb 
was walking with another constable on his commercial road beach, and being alarmed by the commotion, they soon arrived at the crime scene. Lamb arrived at around 1.10 a.m., and then went to summon Dr. Frederick William Blackwell. The doctor's assistant, Edward Johnston, beat him to the scene and found the woman all warm except the hands. Her neck had almost completely drained of blood. Dr. Blackwell arrived to investigate at about 1.15 a.m., and the square was full of investigators and police for the next several hours. Before we continue our story, here is a quick word from my sponsor, Madison Reed is an online hair color company built on integrity, innovation, and love for you and for your hair color. It is no secret that your humble host appreciates the beauty of great hair. And the future of at-home hair color is hair with Madison Reed. For decades, women have had two options when it came to coloring their hair outdated at-home hair color or the time and expense of a salon. A trip to the salon to color your hair might run you several hundred dollars, but Madison Reed gives the same quality for less than $25. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com That is M-A-D-I-S-O-N-R-E-E-D dot com I am truly thankful that Madison Reed would like to honor the Serial Killer Podcast's listeners with 10% off plus free shipping on their first color kit with promo code KILLER. That's code KILLER. Dr. Thomas Bernardo was well known in Whitechapel as a servant to the poor. With a background as a doctor, Bernardo had become a street minister and also went on to open a famous house for impoverished young boys. On the 26th of September, 1888, Dr. Bernardo was visiting the lodging house at 32 Flower and Dean. There was a group of women sitting in the lodging house kitchen, looking thoroughly frightened and talking about the Whitechapel murders. One woman sat at the table crying, We're all up to no good. No one cares what becomes of us. Perhaps some of us will be killed next. The doctor tried as best he could to comfort the women, but thought little of the incident. That is until he less than a week later stood before Elizabeth Stride's lifeless body. Before I continue, I'd like to pause a bit on the method of which Elizabeth Stride had been killed. Two distinct elements make Stride's murder unique among the canonical five. First, there were no mutilations to her abdomen in the way that there were on the bodies of the other four victims. Second, the cause of death was not determined to be strangulation, 
as there were no marks of strangulation on her body. Elizabeth was found in possession of two pocket handkerchiefs, a thimble and a piece of wool attached to a card. A red flower was pinned to the dark jacket she wore. She was also found clutching a package of cachous, which were used to sweeten the breath. These cachous were still in the package and not scattered around, as they would have been if she had been suddenly knocked to the ground. Dr. George Phillips and Dr. Frederick Blackwell agreed that the cause of death was blood loss from the left carotid artery due to the wound on her throat. The gash to the throat was consistent with the wounds of the other Ripper victims, including a clean, deep knife wound of about six inches that moved from left to right. Some have speculated that it is possible the murder could have been performed with a different knife, specifically a shoemaker's knife, than the previous two. In fact, doctors conceded that this was a possibility. However, it is also possible the same weapon were used on Nichols and Chapman that was used on Long Liz. Puzzlingly, though, Dr. Phillips and Inspector Reed mentioned in their reports that there were no sign of blood splatter that would indicate she had been killed while standing. In fact, Police Constable Lamb indicated in his testimony that she looked as if she had been gently laid down. Phillips claimed there were no trace of malt liquor, anesthetics, or narcotics in Stride's stomach. Therefore, drugging or drunkenness cannot account for Stride having gone down without a struggle. If I were to speculate... One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have our burdens to bear, dear listener, and as a man, I was and am often told to suck it up keep calm, and carry on. Normally, good advice in many situations. But never talking about what bothers you is not healthy. Therapy is great to get things off your chest, to vent, and best of all, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Everyone needs someone to talk to, even psychopaths, even your humble host. Get it off your chest with better help. 
Visit betterhelp.com slash serial killer today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash serial killer. Dear listener, the Ripper might very well have posed as a man looking to buy sexual favors and had gotten on top of Elizabeth, acting as if he was about to have sex with her. Instead of engaging in lovemaking, however, he used his position to pin Elizabeth down and slash her throat savagely. Having your throat cut is probably on the list of top five most painful ways to die, the others being burned alive, skinned alive, death by a thousand cuts, and hung drawn and quartered. The throat is extremely sensitive to pain, which is why just a small nick from a razor blade while shaving can sting quite a bit if it happens on the throat instead of on your chin. When the throat is cut with a knife, adrenaline is pumped into the victim as a defense mechanism. This causes the victim to be hyper-alert, and the sensation of pain is multiplied. When cut deep, as Jack usually did, the esophagus is cut, causing the victim to drown in blood at the same time as she is bleeding to death from the severed artery. No one heard Elizabeth scream, and this might be due to Jack surprising her and cutting her throat and vocal cords before she managed to let out anything but a gasp. So who was Elizabeth Stride? Records of her are spotty at best, with many gaps in her story and some misleading falsehoods. Most of what is known about her is from public records, as well as the relatively sparse inquest testimony of the few people who were close to her. The Ripper's third victim was born Elizabeth Gustavsdotter on the 27th of November, 1843. Her parents were Gustav Eriksson and Beate Karlsdotter, Swedish farmers living on a farm called Stora Tumlehed, near Gothenburg. Elizabeth moved to Gothenburg City in 1860 in domestic service of a man named Lars Olofsson. By the time 1865 arrived, she had fallen on some hard times, and the police registered her as a prostitute. She gave birth to a stillborn baby girl on the 21st of April, and later that year was also treated twice for venereal disease and infection. On the 7th of February, 1866, Elizabeth applied for a transfer to the Swedish parish in London, and in July is logged in the London Registry as an unmarried woman. Her later paramour, Michael Kidney, went back and forth as to why she had come to London in the first place. First, he had said that it was to see the country but later claimed that she had come over as a domestic servant. Interviewee Charles Preston corroborated the second opinion, and said that she came from Sweden in the service of a foreign gentleman. 
Elizabeth married John Stride on the 7th of March, 1869, at the age of 26. They moved to East India Dock Road. The two operated a coffee shop together on Poplar, moving from their first location to another one on the same street. In 1875, the business was taken over by a man named John Dale. Little is known about the Strides' marriage aside from their co-ownership of the coffee shop. Kidney said that Elizabeth claimed to have given birth to nine children in her life, but there are no surviving records of the children born from the Strides' marriage. In 1878, a saloon steamship called the Princess Alice crashed into the Bywell Castle steamer on the Thames River. Between 600 and 700 people were killed in the disaster. When asking for financial assistance at the Swedish church in 1878, Stride claimed that the accident had killed her husband and children and that she had also suffered an injury to her palate while struggling to escape. Investigators have determined that this was a complete fabrication. In fact, John Stride was actually alive and well in 1878, and did not pass away until dying of a heart disease in 1884. This lie would lead us to believe that Elizabeth was having troubles in her marriage that led to a separation from her husband. In that case, she used the Princess Alice story to cover up her separation and to garner more sympathy so that the church would give her more money. Regardless of Elizabeth's deceit, the clerk of the church, Sven Olsen, remarked at the inquest that at the time she had been in very poor circumstances. The last time Elizabeth was listed in a census as living with her husband was 1881, but after that they no longer lived together. From then on, Long Liz, as she was known around Whitechapel, split her time between different workhouses and lodging houses. From December of 1881 through January of 1882, she was treated for bronchitis in the Whitechapel Infirmary, and then went straight into the adjoining Whitechapel workhouse. She continued to char and made some money sewing as well. Stride, like Chapman, was likely just a casual prostitute, only soliciting when she was really hard up for money for a bed for the night, and needed a quick threepence. Another way that Liz procured funds was by borrowing it from her on-again, off-again lover, Michael Kidney. She lived with him on and off as well, at his home on Devonshire Street. He is one of the addresses that she reported to the Swedish church, in addition to several lodging houses in the area. The two had a tumultuous relationship, and Elizabeth would often live apart from Kidney in lodging houses for several days or weeks before returning. All that is really known of their relationship between Kidney and Liz Stride 
is from police records and from Kidney's testimonies at the inquest. Kidney claimed that the reasons for her disappearances from his home were due to her drinking benders. Long Liz did, in fact, appear before the magistrate's court eight times for drunk and disorderly conduct in the two years leading up to her death. Compounded with her troubles with booze is the fact that there was likely physical abuse in their relationship. Domestic abuse was rampant in Victorian Whitechapel, and Liz did charge Kidney with assault in 1887. She failed to appear at the Thames Magistrate Court, however, and the case was dropped. Before we continue with the show, here is a brief word from my sponsor, Madison Reed. It is no secret that your humble host appreciates the beauty of great hair, and the future of at-home hair color is here with Madison Reed. They offer gorgeous salon-quality hair color delivered to your door for less than $25. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com. Madison Reed would like to honor my dear listeners with 10% off plus free shipping on their first color kit with promo code KILLER. From Wednesday the 26th of September through her death on the morning of the 30th, Liz had been staying at a lodging house at 32 Flower and Dean Street. A fellow lodger, Catherine Lane, testified that Elizabeth told her she had had words with Kidney and that that was the reason for staying at the lodging house. During her time there, she made money from the house deputy, Elizabeth Tanner, by cleaning rooms. On the day of her death, she had earned six pence for cleaning two rooms of the lodging house, after which she went out. Newspapers reported a story told by two labourers that were not interviewed during the inquest. J. Best and John Gardner The two said they saw Elizabeth Stride at about 11pm as they were entering a pub on Settles Street called the Bricklayer's Arms. She was in the company of a man who was about 5 feet 5 inches tall. They said that he had had a thick black moustache with no beard and was wearing a morning coat and a billycock hat. The two found him to be respectable-looking, and so were surprised to see that he and the woman were shamelessly hugging and kissing near the doorway of the pub. After unsuccessfully trying to get the man to come in with them for a drink, they said to Stride, That's Leather Apron getting round you. After that, they said, the couple was off like a shot away from the pub. Forty-five minutes later, William Marshall was standing on his doorstep at number 68 Burner Street, between Christian and Boyd Streets. Across the street, he saw a woman that he claimed was stride, talking to a man that Marshall described as a stout man 
of about five feet, six inches tall, wearing a black cutaway coat, dark trousers, and a cap that was like something a sailor would wear. As he walked by, he heard the man say, You would say anything but your prayers, at which the woman laughed. During the inquest, Marshall said that the man looked to be educated and had had the appearance of a clerk. The next testimony came from Police Constable William Smith and was regarded as one of the more reliable ones both by the inquests. Smith saw stride with a man in Burner Street at 12.35 a.m. across the street from the International Working Men's Educational Club. Police Constable Smith said the man had a dark complexion and a dark moustache, wearing a cutaway coat and dark trousers, and carrying a parcel wrapped in newspaper. Smith described the man as looking respectable, and both the man and the woman was looking sober. He also took note of the rose she was wearing on her jacket, which matched the one that was discovered on Stride after her death. Due to Stride's limited social network, she took the longest to identify. She was identified by the end of the week and laid to rest that following Saturday, the 6th of October, at East London Cemetery, Plaistow, London, E13. No friends or family were available to lay stride to rest. The undertaker, Mr. Hawkes, paid for a small funeral with funds from the church. Her grave, number 15509, can still be seen today. And so ends part three of my series on Jack the Ripper. Doing this podcast is a labor of love. And I couldn't have done it without my loyal listeners. This podcast has been able to bring serial killer stories to life, especially thanks to those of you that support me via Patreon. You can do so at theserialkillerpodcast.com slash donate. There are especially a few patrons that have stayed loyal for a long time. Amber, Anne, Charlotte. Christina, Jason, Lexi, Lisbeth, Maud, Mickey, Sarah, Tommy, Thomas, and Troy. Your monthly contributions really help keep this podcast thriving. You have my deepest gratitude. Next week, we continue our exploration of serial killers. So, as they say in the land of radio... Stay tuned. I have been your host, Thomas Vaborg Thun, and if you like my show, you are going to love the producer's guide on Podcast One. The veteran Hollywood producer Todd Garner pulls some strings and talks to some of the biggest names in the business, including the host of Survivor, Jeff Probst, and the creator of the hit TV drama This Is Us, Dan Fogelman. Check out The Producer's Guide every Thursday on Podcast One 
or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. As always, thank you, dear listener, for listening and feel free to leave a review on your favorite podcast app, Facebook or website. And please, do subscribe to the show if you enjoy it. Thank you. Good night and good luck. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Ando. And I'm Fer. And we host Niñas Bien Podcast. We want to invite you to listen to our show. Niñas Bien means good girls in Spanish. But you have to know that this is not a podcast for good girls. Or for girls at all. It is a comedy podcast. So everyone is welcome to listen. We talk about sex, relationships, technology. We recommend movies and TV shows and discuss pop culture in general. And there is Chisme Ajeno too. A section we have just to gossip about everyone. So you'll find something you like here. And you'll practice your Spanish. The cleanest Spanish you'll find, we promise. And if you already hablas español, vamos a ser tus nuevas amigas. We'll be your friends for the non-Spanish speakers. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Hosted by Acast and available to all audio platforms. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.